Welcome to the Catch the Fire Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us, and we hope you're encouraged by this message. It's so great to be back with you all. Aaron and I just, if I'm looking really tanned, it's because we were on vacation. (laughs) We went for nine days to the Dominican Republic, and it was amazing just with our kids sitting by a beach, by a pool, and not answering emails, not looking at our phones. It was just beautiful and glorious. It's good to be back with you. The week before that, I was really sick, so um, I was watching online, but it's just good to be back with you all. Um, Happy Palm Sunday. What a great day to celebrate as we prepare our hearts for Easter. You know, the time after Passover, Lent, this season, it's really a time of preparing our hearts um, and getting ready to just receive whatever God has for us. You know that his revelation, his blessings, everything that he has for us is new all the time, every day, his mercies are new. And so there's something new and something fresh that I know that God wants to impart to you this Easter um, week. And so as we have the next few days, the next week to prepare for Resurrection Sunday, I just challenge each and every one of us in this room to take time every day and just reflect on what Jesus did and the journey that he took in those days leading up to the cross. Um, It's a really sobering week, but we choose to call Easter Sunday Resurrection Day because it's a day to celebrate. It's a day for us to celebrate his death, burial, and resurrection, and that now we are seated in glory and heavenly places with him. Amen? It's awesome. I'm... I, raise your hand if you're a parent in the room, if you have young kids. Okay, great. So every year, I'm, I don't know if you're like me, but I'm always looking up which churches around the area are doing something fun for Easter because I want my kids to go and do an Easter egg hunt and, um, and just enjoy some of the different activities that churches have. And I'm excited because this year we're doing our very first one here at our church. And so they got, my kids got their pamphlets for their preschool. Uh, and I was like, guys, sorry, we're doing one at our church this year. Um, and and we're just really excited. So our heart, and I love that um, Susan, Pastor Susan and Pastor Shannon, who are kids pastors, they really um, embody this uh, kind of calling of the house that we have to really embrace our city, to love our city. And I don't know if you knew this, but in just the Briar Creek area, there's about 10,000 households here. And uh, two thirds of them have kids. So this is a huge area where we really want to reach this area, this demographic. And so Susan and Shannon's heart was to hold like an Easter egg hunt as an outreach to this area here. And so we want to invite you all to come be a part of it. Come and show up, bring your kids, invite your neighbors, tell them if you, if you see someone walking in your neighborhood and they have kids, tell them about the Easter egg hunt that's going to be here. If you want to serve, we still need people to serve from the 1230 to 2 p.m. slot. And uh, yeah, just get involved. Rain or shine, we're going to be here doing it. So come, invite your friends, invite your neighbors. And then on Sunday, we're going to be having our Resurrection Day celebration. And it is going to be awesome. So we want to invite you, if you're watching online, please come in, in the building in person. There's something so powerful about when we worship together corporately. You guys know that, right? Something shifts. Where two or more are gathered, something shifts. And so just come, come on Easter, invite your neighbor. It's the, the one or two days a year where you can invite someone and not feel embarrassed about it. Okay. Because the creasters come on out. All right. And I don't care how they get here. Just get them in the building. And then hopefully they'll come the next week too. But 
Invite people, come on out. It's going to be great. Um, we're excited to celebrate our Lord. So today I am continuing on our sermon series on the Beatitudes. Who's been enjoying this series so far? Duncan, I watched online. He preached an awesome message last week about blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. And um, today I am speaking on Matthew 5, 5, which is blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. Now the word meek is not really a popular word today. Raise your hand if you've used the word meek in the last 30 days. Yeah? No, didn't think so. All right, Danielle. Okay, I see you. (laughs) But Jesus even uses this word to describe himself. He doesn't talk a lot about himself and his characteristics, and but he does use uh, this word. So if you have your Bibles or turn to the screens, we're going to read Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble. Some translations say, for I am meek. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is showing us that within a place of rest in him is meekness. Now, a few months ago, Duncan preached on humility and how Jesus in this verse, he says, I am humble. I am meek. I am gentle. This is who Jesus is. Jesus embodies meekness. He is meekness. And in him, in that place of meekness, we can find rest for our souls. That sounds pretty great, right? I want to be there. I want to be where that rest is. And Jesus is saying there's a key here. I am meek, meek in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. In my experience, I've noticed that a lot of the angriest people that I've met are also the most exhausted people. (laughs) They're tired. Life is hard. They're exhausted. But within meekness, we can find rest. We can find rest when we are meek. Jesus continues in, in Matthew 19. He shares that he's, he's meeting a, a rich, a rich young ruler. I did that in the first service too. Rich rung. I don't know. It's a tongue twister. Say it 10 times fast. I dare you. All right. The rich young ruler. Okay. Now, when I think about a rich young ruler, if I'm translating it to kind of this time and day and age, what that would look like for us. It would be someone who's got an amazing car. They're driving like a Lamborghini, Aston Martin. They're, they are, they earned all their money somehow on like Bitcoin. I don't know, some sort of crypto, right? <laughs> They've got the good hair, the good looks. They're, everyone wants to be their friend. You know, this rich run, young ruler comes along and the disciples are probably like, finally, someone who gets it. Here they are. We can finally have someone who can fund this whole mission that we're going on. I mean, yes, he's asking the right questions. How can I, how can I, you know, basically get to heaven? How do I get eternal life? And Jesus, he's talking about the commands that he has to follow of do not lie. Do not, you know, commit murder. And he's going through all these commands. And the rich young ruler says, but I've done all that, Lord. What else must I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus says, 
this. You have to lose your life. You have to give away and sell everything you own and follow me. And the rich young ruler says, no, 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 I can't do that. I can't do that. And then Jesus takes this opportunity to teach his disciples. And, you know, the story of the, it's easier for um, a camel to go through the eye of the needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And as we finish that verse, Matthew 19, verse 30, he says, but many who are first will be last and the last first. Jesus is again, opening up this whole kingdom paradox the oxymoron of this upside down kingdom of saying the last shall be first. That in order to find him, in order to follow him, in order to inherit all of this, all we have to do is live in meekness, be willing to surrender, follow him. All we have to do is say yes to him, leave everything behind. Psalm 25, nine says he guides the meek In other translations, he guides the humble in what is right and teaches the meek his way. This kingdom paradox that we live in, Jesus says, you gain by losing. You live by dying. You grow by giving. You want to go up, you go down. (laughs) You're truly alive when you're serving. When you're living beyond yourself. You want to grow, then give. You want to be meek, then surrender. And I often think this word meek is misunderstood, which is probably why we don't use it that much in this day and age. It's not really an attractive word when you think about it. It's not really, it doesn't feel like an attractive posture. I know growing up when I would read this verse, I would think meek, like what does that mean? Like timid and like you know, submissive and whatever. It's not something where you go into a job interview and they say, so tell me some of your strengths. And you're like, I'm meek. (laughs) Meekness is my strength. It truly is. It's a superpower. We never do that. (laughs) We don't even know how to necessarily fit this word except Danielle into our everyday vernacular. (laughs) We want to talk about, we don't want to talk about meekness because we want to talk about how awesome we are, right? But in the Bible, there's a couple of people that displayed amazing meekness. Moses, one of them. In Numbers, he says, it says that Moses was one of the most humble, the most humble man to live on the face of this earth. Now he wrote that, but still it's in there. But when I think about Moses and I think about meekness and the humility that he has, I don't think that Moses was weak. He was a warrior. He led the Israelites out of Egypt. By the power of God, he parted the Red Sea. By the power of God, he defeated the Egyptians and brought the Israelites out of captivity. That to me doesn't look like weakness. Isaiah, the prophet, he confronts a whole nation who are living in sin and idolatry and immense evil. And he confronts them with a spirit of gentleness and meekness in that. And then, of course, Jesus Christ, the one we look to as our example, the one we we want to become more like. As we spend more time with him, we become more like him. And he displayed 
the ultimate meekness to us. As I reflect on today and Palm Sunday, I think about Jesus riding into town on a donkey. The King of Kings, the God who said, let there be light. You know, it was the same guy. And he spoke the earth into existence in one word. And here he is. He could have ridden it. This is the Roman times, remember? He could have ridden in on a white horse in a chariot and purple robes. And what does he do? He comes in on a donkey. If you know anything about donkeys, they're just basic work, work horses. They smell bad. I mean, horses smell bad sometimes too, but they're more majestic. The horse's neigh versus the donkey's. It's just different. It's just not, it doesn't hit as right. And here he is and he, he comes in on a donkey. Jesus, I am meek. I am meek. Turn to your neighbor and say, meekness is not weakness. You can shorten it. Meek ain't weak. Meek ain't weak. Meek ain't weak. Meekness is not being a doormat. Okay? Walking in meekness does not mean you're going to let everyone walk all over you. Meekness is not passive. It doesn't sit by and just let things happen. Meekness isn't lazy. Meekness is not cowardly. Meekness is not fragile. Meekness is not defeatism. It's not timid. Like I said, I feel like this word is misunderstood. Now, the Greek translation for this phrase in the Beatitudes is the word praus. Okay? P-R-A-U-S. Praus. And it's kind of difficult to translate, but the way that the Greeks translated it was used to describe the behavior of a well-trained horse. And here I am, and I'm come home from the Dominican. I took a day to rest Thursday, and then Friday I started preparing for this message. And all weekend long, I've been literally feeling like jumping out of my skin. Like, you know when you're just, your spirit is like, ah! Like it's leaping. And I was so excited to share this this morning because I'd never thought of this. I just read blessed are the meek and I never understood this as I started diving into the translation and what it meant. I'm going to read to you what I found. Okay. There was a word called meeking. Meeking a horse did not mean to strip the power from a horse, but rather to harness the horse's power from a state of wild independence to one of loyalty so that the horse could be used as the master of the horse intended. Biblical meekness is not weakness. It refers to exercising God's strength under his control. It's being harnessed to the Holy Spirit and it's being tamed to him by him. It's, it's submitted power under his control, under his ability, as he is our father and our master. This is what it's, Jesus is saying when he says, blessed are the meek. He's saying, blessed are those who submit to the will of their heavenly father. And Jesus, Jesus showed us this through his entire life from start to finish. Everything Jesus did, he said, I only do what I see my father doing. He only 
he only did what the intention of his father was. He's in the garden of Gethsemane and he's, he's crying out to his father and he's sweating with such agony that he's sweating beads of blood out of his forehead and he's crying out and he's saying, Lord, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. Not my will, but yours be done. And he's crying out. And in that moment, he's submitting fully to the will of his father. Because the only way that was the father's will was for him to endure the cross. And Jesus displayed that ultimate meekness when he said, I am submitting to the control of my, or to under the authority and the power of my heavenly father. Isn't that incredible? It's this picture of this wild stallion, this 1,500 pounds of fierceness that could buck you off in a second, that could destroy you, that could run through a field and wreak havoc. But it's fully tamed and submitted to its master under its reins. That's what meekness is. (laughs) It's the behavior of a well-trained horse. It's not running wild and damaging and hurting Because we are able to do that as humans. We are very capable of running wild and wreaking havoc everywhere we go. Just ask your spouse, okay? (laughs) We see it in our children, in their sinful nature, even from a young age. We are very capable of total destruction. (laughs) Hurricane Selah, our daughter. It's okay. But meekness is surrender, is surrender to our heavenly father, to his will for our life. And a tamed horse is actually more powerful than an untamed horse. And you're like, that doesn't make any sense. Well, back in the day, the reason why they used horses was not just to canter around and look pretty and have these horse shows and be rich. They had horses (laughs) to do work for them. They, that horse needed to be submitted to the reins because a tamed horse was profitable. And a tamed horse could bring income for them. And a tamed horse could take them where they needed to go. But an untamed horse, it was a disaster. And there's opposite ways, there's two opposite ways that we can live out of meekness. And when I say out of meekness, I don't mean like in meekness, I mean like out of it, like not in meekness. <laughs> the first way is to live like we're a feather. And you're like a feather. Okay, a feather or like a snowflake, all right? A delicate feather that blows in the wind, that goes wherever. We live in a world that says all roads lead to God or there is no God. And I don't want to ruffle anyone's feathers. I don't want to upset anyone because I really might hurt their feelings or I might get canceled or I will get fired or whatever it is. But... We can live out of that place of meekness and live as if we're this feather. But then we can also live as if we're this sledgehammer too, where we're living in anger and we're living in hatred and we're living in an I'm always right kind of attitude and mentality. And this knowledge and power that I have is greater than yours. And I must let everyone know how smart I am and how much wisdom and revelation I have. And when we live out of meekness in these two places, we're not living in submission to the will of our heavenly father at all. We're out of that will. 
Meekness is surrender. We can't just look at these beatitudes and think about them as multiple choice and think, okay, I'm going to take one, four, and seven. Um, let's get rid of two. Not really feeling that from my life. Um, okay, maybe I'll let the other one in. It's not like that. Jesus is outlining a way to live in his blessing and in his favor. And with each blessing that he shows us, there's something that we are given in return. And when I shared the, uh, the first time I preached in the Beatitudes about blessed, it's blessed as in the favor that comes not from your circumstances. It's not, it's not based on what's happening around you. It's an internal blessed that you receive from Jesus, that it doesn't matter what's going on around you. You walk in the blessing internally. It's not an external blessing. It's an internal blessing and favor. And Jesus showed his outward strength actually by demonstrating a great inward restraint. See, Jesus, he could have saved himself in a second. He could have literally come down from that cross and saved himself in an instant. Just like how when the devil was tempting him in the, in the desert saying, if you're really the son of God, do this, do that. He could have done all of those things. He's the, he's God. Like I said, he's the same God that said, let there be light. But yet he shows incredible restraint to submit to the will and the way that his father laid out for him. Thank you, Jesus. James 1 verse 21 says, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Come on. Receive with meekness this word that God has given us that is able to save our souls. But we have to get rid of all wickedness. Get rid of all hatredness. Change the way we talk. Change our attitude. Get rid of that stinking thinking, as Aaron likes to say. Get rid of it. Walk in a new way. We're called to be people that look different than the world. Right? We're not meant to be like the world. So... How can I walk in this? Number one that I feel like to walk in meekness is to live with a repentant heart. Live with a repentant heart. The power of saying, I'm sorry, I was wrong, is life-changing. If you can just change that part of your life, where you walk in a place of humility and meekness before others and say, I'm so sorry, Lord, I'm so sorry, Lord, I was wrong. I was living in pride. I was trying to do everything my own way. And then also in the same way with others and saying, I messed up. I was wrong. I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? Live with a repentant heart. It's strength to say I was wrong. It's actually strength. It's not weakness. Despite what the world says, it's strength to show emotion. Number two. Live with a receptive spirit. Meekness, gentleness, is a fruit of the spirit. And it's been given to us by the Holy Spirit. Receive it. Receive that gift. Receive. Receive that fruit in your life. Be open to it. Don't be closed off to it thinking, meek is weak. Meek ain't weak, guys. Be receptive. I want to receive it. The thing about this is you can't earn it. You don't deserve it, but you inherit it as a son and as a daughter. 
as far as I know, you don't really have to do anything to earn an inheritance other than being a son or a daughter and signing on the dotted line. And it's the same in the kingdom of God is Jesus has an inheritance for us as his sons and daughters that we have to do nothing to receive except say yes to him, surrender to him and receive it as his son and daughter. Number one, live with a repentant heart. Number two, with a receptive spirit. Number three, be responsive. Be a doer of the spirit, a doer of the word. Have a tender heart. You can have thick skin, but have a tender heart. Let your heart be tender towards others, even when they wrong you. We have nothing to prove. Nothing to prove. Be responsive. What this means is saying, God, I trust that your plans are higher than mine, that you have a plan for my life, and that you have the final say. You have the final say. When I think about Jesus, he hung on that cross, looking down all the people that said the most horrible things about him that were incredibly untrue. And he took it. He took it. And how many times do we try to vindicate ourselves? And if someone says something against us, we're like torn up inside. We're like, oh my gosh, I need to go tell everyone that that's not true and this never happened and tell them the whole context. And instead, we are to say, God has the final say. God knows my heart. Only he knows my heart. And he's going to be my vindicator. This beatitude, it comes with the blessing. What is the second part? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. There's a place of inheritance here in this life. And that inheritance looks like walking in favor. When you follow these beatitudes... When you follow the way of the kingdom, you walk in favor. You walk in blessing. God pours and showers his blessings upon you. Your life is prosperous. Your family life is prosperous. Your marriage is prosperous. And then there's also a second part of the inheritance. It's that one day there is going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And we will inherit all of that as his sons and daughters and co-heirs with Christ. Amen. And I don't know about you. But I don't want to keep living for this life and the opinion and the approval of others in this life. I'm living for the approval of one person and the one life that's going to matter. And that's eternity with him forever. Ask yourself, who am I living for? (laughs) Which opinion and approval am I seeking and searching for? Because the meek are in surrender to their heavenly father. (sighs) We also get to live with a higher perspective. A higher perspective that doesn't let people bait me into an argument or a debate. Don't be baited by the enemy into falling into sin. Live with a higher perspective, a higher calling. Say to yourself, I'm harnessed by the Holy Spirit. I'm harnessed by the Holy Spirit. Allow him to pull you back. (laughs) Pull you back. All right. I have a strong personality, if you didn't catch that. Um... (laughs) and I have a lot of opinions and I'm strongly opinionated. Sometimes I'm around people that have a lot of very different opinions than me. And I feel like that's okay. It takes everything in me to be like, hold back, hold back. Like, you know, you, someone posts a comment and you guys know like keyboard warriors, 
right? I don't know why people think, if this is in your, you in this room, I don't know, take it with love, but I don't know why we think that we can change someone's entire mind and entire philosophy about life and their outlook on life by responding to their comment on a status. It's not going to work. Okay. It's not going to work. I'm going to tell you right now. It's not going to work. You're going to fall out of relationship. It's not worth it. Let the Holy Spirit harness you back and pull the reins and exercise restraint. You don't have to be right. Turn to someone and say, you don't have to be right. You're more wrong trying to be right than you are if you just shushed. When I lived in Pemba, Mozambique, in Portuguese, how to say like, be quiet or shut your mouth or whatever was zippy na boca. I just say that zippy na boca, shut your mouth. It's not worth it. Nothing good's going to come from this. Zippy na boca. I want to be, I want, when we're harnessed by the Holy Spirit, we're not a pot stirrer. Okay. We have restraint. We live with a higher perspective. It's not about here and now. It's not about trying to be right. Proverbs 15 verse one says a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be known for someone who stirs up anger, who makes someone else fall into sin by stirring up anger in them too. A soft answer turns away wrath. It's okay to just say, Hey, you know what? We think differently about this. That's okay. Let's still be friends. I love you. You don't have to change me. I don't have to change you. You're answerable to God. I'm answerable to God. And hey, let's move on. It's better to be in friendship and relationship than to fight over this political issue. (laughs) When we walk in meekness, we walk in supernatural power. Meekness is the abiding place for my provision. It's the abiding place for my provision. There's everything we could ever need that God can provide for us when we abide and live in his meekness. And what that is, is submitting to the will of our Heavenly Father, just like we watched Jesus Christ do. (laughs) I want to read you guys a, a humility list. I had several people ask me in the first service for this list after. You can just Google Mother Teresa's humility list. I took 10 out of the maybe 14 to read to you guys today. This is what I believe living a life of meekness and humility looks like as well. Number one, speak as little as possible about yourself. Meekness. Keep busy with your own affairs and not those of others. Do not interfere in the affairs of others. Do not dwell on the faults of others. Accept insults and injuries. Accept contempt being forgotten and disregarded. Be courteous and delicate, even when provoked by someone. Do not seek to be admired and loved. Give in in discussions, even when you are right. Ah, that's hard. Wow, I look like my dad when I did that. Okay. Choose always the more difficult task. More meekness is more power. You don't have to be strong to be victorious. You can be meek to be victorious. More meekness, more power. 
I want to invite you guys to stand. I want us to close our eyes for a moment. You guys good being a little self-reflective? Stretch for a second. It's okay. You can stretch and then bring it back. <laughs> Let's just be self-reflective for a moment, okay? I know that can feel uncomfortable, but I want everyone to close their eyes. And I want us to ask the Holy Spirit, where in my life have I been living from a place of pride? Maybe thinking I'm right or that I know better than others. Or that I'm just trying to... Actually, I'm just, I'm living in anger. <laughs> I'm living in frustration. I'm, I'm angry and frustrated and mad all the time, and I don't know why, and I'm fighting with my spouse, and I'm fighting with my parents, and I'm fighting with my kids. Just ask him to show you for a second. What's an area of your life that you've been struggling in to live in meekness? Maybe you feel like you always have to have the last word and you don't know what it is. Maybe God's going to show you there was a time in your childhood where, you know, your parents never let you say what you needed to say. And now that's formed some sort of root, bitter root judgment in your life. And you're reaping that now. The Holy Spirit is our guide and he shows us all things. So just ask him to show you right now. Number one, live with a repentant heart. So let's just do that for a second. Just say to the Lord, Lord, I'm so sorry for how I've wronged you and wronged others. Would you forgive me? Thank you for your blood that washes me clean. I receive your forgiveness. Just let that sink in for a second. Receive that. Receive that forgiveness. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. But you've inherited it. It's yours. Abide in that place of sonship with him right now. Abide as a son. Abide as a daughter. Number two, receive it. Just ask him, Lord, give me a spirit of gentleness. Help me grow in meekness. I want to be submitted and surrendered to your will. Would you put a harness on me, Holy Spirit, and pull me back when I need to be pulled back and let me go when I need to be run free? Like, I want to be harnessed to you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for joining us. There are so many opportunities to grow, connect, and be encouraged. To learn more, visit ctfraleigh.com and follow us on social media. Thank you so much for being part of the family. We are so thankful for you.